Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work, the podcast from the British Association of Social Workers. This is space for conversation, discussion with social workers, the individuals they support, and colleagues working in related professions. We consider the key matters affecting social workers as we explore contemporary issues with a focus at the local, national and global levels. Welcome to Let's Talk Social Work. I'm Andy McClanahan, and thanks for being part of our community of listeners and joining me for this episode, in which my guests and I will discuss anti-Semitism, what it means, what its impacts are, and how social workers can stand against and address anti-Semitism across our society. And I'm really pleased to be joined today by guests Sam Lethbridge, Sam's Incidents Manager at the Community Security Trust, or CST, and Paul Shuttleworth, Professional Officer with Baswa England. Sam and Paul, how are you both feeling today? Sam, you first. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Thanks for having me today. Thank you for joining us. It's a real pleasure. Um, Sam, where are you? So I'm in London. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And Paul, how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm I'm good, thank you. Yes, not not too bad. I'm a little bit. Uh, I've got a bit of trepidation actually today. So normally I'm quite used to talking. Actually, I love talking, um, but today for some reason I've just got. Um, yeah, a bit of trepidation around sort of what we're going to be talking about. And we can explore that, Paul. And I can vouch for listeners, as Paul's colleague, that he, yes, he does love talking. And he is good chat, good <laughs> chat, as we say in Northern Ireland. Paul, where are you at the moment? Uh, so I'm in the a lovely Brighton. Well, I'm in Hove, actually, which probably means more to people that live in Hove. But yes, I'm in, in Hove, um, down near Brighton. Okay, so uh, you're in Hove. Does that are you fortunate enough to have Caroline Lucas as your MP? No, 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 no. That's Brighton. That's you, you've you've gone to towards Brighton. So Hove, uh, we're we're uh, Peter Kyle. So we're kind of red in a sea of um, sea of blue at the moment. Okay, okay. Thank you for clarifying. That's really <laughs> helpful. So we're talking about anti-Semitism today. It's a it's an incredibly important issue and it's an incredibly sensitive one. So I'm very pleased that Sam and Paul are both uh, happy to join me and talk about this issue. I want to start off by exploring what it means to be Jewish. So to set a bit of context to the question, looking back to 2011, the 2011 census, we've just had the 2021 census, but no results so far. We look back to the 2011 census, it stated that the Jewish population of the UK numbered around 270,000. So that's not 0.4% of the population. And it's worth noting that on the census, the religion question was voluntary and a person's religion was self-defined. So... Can I, to set the context here, what I'm keen to explore is whether Jewishness is solely a religious identity or if that's too narrow in understanding. You know, can somebody be an atheist and nonetheless be culturally or ethnically Jewish? It's a really interesting subject because people assume that if you're Jewish, you're a religious Jew, that you're, you know, the stereotypical um, ultra-Orthodox Jew that you see on the streets of Northwest London, Stamford Hill. The fact is that actually Jews come from everywhere, of every colour, every um, corner of the globe. Um, you can have um, Indian Jews, people of colour. Um, you can be an atheist, but still identify as being Jewish because that's your culture, that's your your culture, that's your tradition. Um, you can be uh, the most religious Jew on the planet and the most the least religious Jew as well. So it's everything and ever, anything. Um, you know, people don't necessarily know what a, a Jewish person would look like. And that's, I think, one of the problems is you you kind of expect a Jew to look like something, whereas 
they don't. Um, so you can just be uh, a Jew that enjoys a traditional Friday night dinner with your family and nothing more. Um, and you can be Jewish by birth, but not have kind of any religious background whatsoever. I just want to make it really clear. So um, it is an ethno-religion. We kind of describe it as as that nowadays. And looking at my own family, for example, so um, I'm going to dob in my family a little bit. Um, but in terms of, for example, I spoke to my mum a few days ago in preparation for this. And I said to her, um, so do you believe in God? And she was, uh, well, she was making lunch. So she was a bit like, well, you know, I'm just... Don't spring that on me. I'm just making lunch. It's a pretty heavy question for when um, you're making a sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Um, and she's saying, oh, I it's hard, isn't it? Because I suppose I believe there's something out there, but maybe... She also, just let me say this, she goes to uh, synagogue quite a lot, much more than than I do or should. And in fact, I only really go to synagogue to to please my mother. Um, uh, I'm just kind of dobbing myself in there. Um but um, she was saying, you know, I don't really believe in God in the sense that uh, maybe I get we, we talk about in synagogue. I believe there's something there. I asked my sister exactly the same question. And she's and she was very, very clear in saying, no, 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 I don't believe in God. Whereas it, when it comes to me, I guess I'm kind of almost on the same kind of wavelength as, as my my mum. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't celebrate high holidays. And my sister is bringing up her her children Jewish. Um, so there is stuff about culture, there is stuff about tradition, there is stuff about our heritage there. It's not just as simple as it is only a religion. And we need to really, really scrub that from, from our minds. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. And we should be really, really careful that we shouldn't be gatekeeping what Jewish, what being Jewish means. You know, we shouldn't be saying, oh, well, you're eating pork, so you're not Jewish or, or whatever that might be. Um, yeah, we we need to we need to understand fully understand. So that's why this this podcast is really great. Start to understand what being Jewish means. So there's a real diversity. There's a real richness in culture. There are different perspectives on religion. There are different ways of being Jewish. Essentially, yes. Yeah, and I would also just add as well. There's different types of um, of I suppose you could almost say uh, Jewish uh, religious intensity sometimes. So you, you get um, the kind of the more progressive reformed Jews, uh, you, you get orthodox Jews. Um, and so you get different in the same way that you get different strands almost in terms of um, Christianity. There is the same thing in terms of being Jewish as well. Thank you. That's really helpful. So in terms of, we talked about the richness and diversity within uh, Judaism, uh, within Jewish identity. In terms of anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish prejudice, is there a commonly agreed definition of what anti-Semitism is? I think kind of there is. So, I mean, I think most of us can agree that, well, hopefully we can agree that that it's the hostility or discrimination against Jewish people, as as we just discussed, as a, a religious and ethnic or even a racial group. So uh, maybe some don't believe in the racial group bit, I would strongly argue against that um, because uh, it's it's stated in the Equalities Act. And if we bring things back to social work, which is really important for me, we should always move from kind of legislation anyway. So the Equalities Act 2010 is really, really clear on that matter. Um, but also we know from history, we know from history in terms of Nazi Germany, who were, it didn't matter how much you went to synagogue. It didn't matter, you know, in terms of, um, of, of, of how you looked. It was all about your heritage, your lineage, your, your, how, how they saw that. And that's why you were, quite frankly, exterminated. 
So in terms, there is a kind of commonly agreed definition. And also we look in terms of the um, IHRA, so the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, and they've put out, well, it's a non-legally binding working definition. So that's it's a little bit shaky to start off with. It shows you how how these things are you know, going to tra- change. And I think the controversial bits in there, which we will discuss later, uh, is is when it comes to things like Israel and 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 the right to fight against kind of Israeli policies and and criticisms of its government. And Paul, do you, can you can you read us that um, IHRA definition? Do you have it there? Sure, sure. So it's um, anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. So rhetor- rhetor- rhetorical, can't say the word, and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish and non-Jewish individuals and or their property towards Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. Um, And I would certainly say that, you know, I've grown up with this. I've grown up with anti-Semitism. And from from when I can remember going to synagogue and and we see um, I can remember seeing um, people outside kind of guarding um, guarding synagogues when we were in synagogue and uh, you know it's that's quite that's quite shocking really because when people are going to church you don't see that do you i've never been guarded um inside a church no no yeah yeah it's uh it's very sad to say that um history has created a necessity for security guards to be present outside synagogues and outside jewish schools or jewish community buildings um there is a real genuine fear and there is a genuine threat towards the, towards the Jewish community. So whether they're praying or whether they're going to a school, um, it's become necessary to have that security outside our buildings now. And Sam, you work for the Community Security Trust. Can you tell us a bit mm-hmm. about, tell us briefly a wee bit about that organisation and what you do? Yes, so the Community Security Trust, uh, commonly known as CST, we are here to protect our Jewish community. So there's various aspects to the work that we do. Um, One of them is facilitating uh, the the security guards that we've already mentioned outside synagogues and Jewish schools. Um, We support victims of anti-Semitism. So if a member of our community... Um, or a member of any community that is targeted because they are Jewish or the perception is that they are Jewish or they have stuck up for a Jew and they are then targeted, Um, we will support them. We will help them report incidents to the police. We will help them with third-party police reporters so we can do that reporting for them. We'll provide support to them. We'll provide um, uh, professional guidance and advice. Uh, We... We're there for the victims. We are a, an advocate for the victims to, to help them. Um, but there, there's many other things that CST does as well. Well, Sam, look, um, that's really important. I will put the, the details um, in the show notes of how mm-hmm. anybody can contact CST if they have experienced um, anti-Semitism or if they want to find out any more about the organisation. But I was reading recently some information published um, by CST and it explained that the 1,308 anti-Semitic incidents across the UK uh, in the first six months of 2021, that marked the highest total ever uh, number of anti-Semitic incidents reported to CST for the six months of a January to June period in any year. 
Now that's deeply, deeply worrying. Um, do we know what's driving that increase in anti-Semitic incidents? Yes, so for sure we know what caused the spike in the incidents for the first six months of this year, and that was the war or the crisis that happened over in the Middle East in Israel. Historically, whenever there's a conflict in Israel, we see a huge impact onto anti-Semitism within the UK. So this year in May and June, we saw the uh, the conflict between um, Gaza, Hamas and Israel, and that fueled um, a month of hate over here. And that was what triggered the huge increase in anti-Semitic incidents. So we know we produce our reports um, twice a year. So we do the six month report and we do our annual report, which gets released in February for the preceding year's figures. So we know now that our figures will be the highest ever on record when we release them next February. Um, But it's alarming. The incidents that happened on the street because of a situation that was happening thousands of miles away was horrific. I mean, it was without a doubt, the most frightening experience for UK Jews at that time. I've worked through three uh, Middle East crises now, and this was without a doubt the most scary for the community. Sam, thank you for sharing that. And we're going to talk a little bit more detail later on about Israel, about Zionism and about unpacking that issue, um, about the impacts of incidents in the Middle East and how that affects people living in the UK. But history shows us that Jews have experienced anti-Semitism for many, many centuries, you know, thousands of years, in fact. Would either of you be willing to share any examples of anti-Semitism throughout the ages? Can I just say that at the beginning, you said that it was 0.4% of people in the UK are Jewish. Um, So when we put that into the amount of incidents, it's shockingly high um, and it's disproportionate to the amount of people there are. So we have to make that really, really clear. And and Paul, just on that point, sorry, something just to investigate there. Is it likely that there were Jewish people who answered the census who didn't actually identify as Jewish on the census? Some people are even scared to uh, name. I know that, for example, my my mum... doesn't like announcing that she's Jewish. Um, the younger generation, um, a lot of them do, and a lot of them don't mind. Um, so that, so there's that. Um, there's also the bit about, well, actually, um, the really low numbers of Jewish people is there for a reason. You know, it, there's been a long-standing hatred of Jewish people. There's been a chance to uh, eradicate them um, at every single term throughout history. So that's linking into to what you're, you're asking. Um, and hey, you've succeeded. You know, two thirds of uh, European Jews were uh, annihilated, exterminated um, at the, uh, in, in the Second World War. So, so this is not insignificant that there's, um, there's not that many Jews, uh, European Jews here. Um, and we have to remember that. Absolutely. In terms of historic um, incidents of anti-Semitism, the Holocaust is one that you would hope that everybody in the society, everyone right-minded in the society would recognise as as a horror, as unspeakable horror. But in terms of going back much, much further than that, you'd mentioned that Jews have been uh, sought to be eradicated at many periods in history. Are there other examples that, that you could speak to? There's, uh, I mean, it's, anti-Semitism is the oldest form of hatred. Um, it goes back to like the beginning of time almost, We can look at things like blood libel, where Jews were believed to be drinking the blood of of Christian children um, and false stories that were spread throughout history. You've got the expulsion of Jews from France and the UK even back in the 1100s. So this isn't something that's new. 
This is something that's been around a long time. It's evolved over the years um, and it changes, but it's there and it's always unfortunately going to be there. So it's, it's our duty and it's our responsibility to speak out about it, to highlight the issue and to do everything that we can to ensure that it doesn't happen and that history doesn't repeat itself. Thank you, Sam. I mean, can we talk about the ways in which um, anti-Semitism manifests? You know, is it helpful to break anti-Semitism down into different categories based on the motivating factors? I can answer to that. So um, I've um, kind of broke some some of it down. So this is this isn't a, a dead cert, um, I suppose. But um, what I found really useful for me is just turning, looking at different types and different forms of anti-Semitism. Um, and I found that really useful because when we talk about uh, anti-Semitism in terms of um, anti-racism and whether anti-Semitism can be racist, um, we can look and say, yes, some forms of uh, uh, anti-Semitism is racially motivated. So we can start with, uh, for example, uh, religious anti-Semitism. So that's the idea that we are uh, Christ killers. We're the agents of the devil. So the Romans uh, in around, uh, I think it was around the fourth century, uh, so when Christianity started really, really evolving, um, the basically it was kind of convert or or move away or or die type thing. Um, so they uh, destroyed Jewish temples, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that was motivated by uh, being seen as religiously different. It wasn't racially motivated. And just interject, Paul, there, it yeah. was the Romans that put Christ to death. They actually yes, carried was. out the execution. Yes. Yes, and sometimes I feel like I if if I sometimes feel like having that tattooed on my forehead. If if Jewish people were allowed tattoos, apparently we're not. Um, so. It's Leviticus, isn't it? I believe. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that anti-Semitism just is it manifests in every way possible. You know, whether it stems from jealousy, whether it's a misperception, miscon sorry, a misconception, um, the perception of, of what a Jew is. Um, there are some very, very high-profile Jews in just looking in the UK, um, and that fuels the anti-Semitism. So, yeah, the economic anti-Semitism, that um, that anti-Semitic belief that Jews own the banks, that Jews own the media. Well, we don't. Um, I can categorically say we don't. Um, but then when something bad financially happens, it's the Jews that get the blame for it. Yeah, absolutely. This whole idea of money obsessed Jews. Um, so we look at, and we even see it in um, popular culture. So we get Fagan, we get all of these types of people. I remember as a kid, you know, um, and if I picked a penny up or something like that, then, or some, anyone picked a penny up off the ground or whatever it would be, then, oh, don't be such a Jew and all of that kind of stuff. So it really exists. It still exists every day. And w- can we get a bit more contemporary than Fagan? If you're about <laughs> pop culture? Anything, Paul, there? Uh, well, yes, of course. We've got um, Harry Potter, haven't we? So we've got Harry Potter and in the bank, they all had kind of the long noses and they looked Jewish or how people believe Jewish people should look. Um, so that's, 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 you know, it still happens today. So another part of that is when I look at, I've had a, I've had a very privileged life. Um, I went to um, uh, boarding school. Um, and financially, I'm I'm fairly secure. Now, I've thought about this, especially when um, things such as um, the murder of George Floyd. I've thought about my privileges, um, and and it's something that has really, really 
um, shaken me. Um, it is our job as social workers to reflect, to constantly reflect on our practice, critically reflect. And the conclusion I've come up with is that my privilege isn't necessarily about me being Jewish, which is the conclusion that most people will jump to. It's about me being white. Okay, so I have actually privileged from my white privilege. Um, but it's really interesting that people mostly will jump to the fact that I'm Jewish rather than the fact, you know, that I that I benefit from my privilege. But even then, if you were a Jew living in Nazi Germany uh, and you were very wealthy, that wealth and status didn't get you anywhere. You still ended up being murdered. So that Absolutely. idea that privilege somehow keeps you safe from racism or protects you from racism is is a bit of a is a non-starter, I would say. Absolutely. They would rip the gold teeth out of your 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 mouth, you know, and then send you off to um, a concentration camp or an extermination camp. So, yeah, it doesn't protect you. And this idea that Jewish people are the most wealthy, I mean, that's just wrong. We know statistically it's wrong. And as you say, even if it was right, it doesn't protect you. This thing isn't a, this isn't a, a sum game. You know, I don't get 10 points for being white. I don't get 10 points for being male and then get minus three for being Jewish, minus three for being queer. It doesn't work like that. Just because I have certain privileges, actually, they can be completely wiped away by someone actually wanting to target me for being Jewish or target me for being for being queer. They don't care if I have money. They don't care if I if I'm white, if they want to get me because and and harm me because I'm Jewish or because I'm queer. Those things don't matter. Paul, thank you for being so open and sharing so much. Um in terms of those, so we've talked about religious anti-Semitism, we've talked about economic anti-Semitism, but there are other factors, cultural, social, racial. We've touched on racial um, and ideological anti-Semitism. Um, would you like to speak, Sam, um, Paul, would you like to speak to those other aspects? I think with anti-Semitism, the, there is so much overlap and so much of it just rolls into one that people don't pick on a Jew for one particular reason. It's the root that they're Jewish that it's an, an easy target, if you like. It's an easy win for the anti-Semite from whichever reason it is. Now, it could be, I mean, if you're looking at ideological anti-Semitism, you're kind of branching into the whole um, uh, Jews and belief of the state of Israel to exist and um, being uh, being affiliated to Israel. Um, social anti-Semitism, it kind of ties in with economic anti-Semitism, the belief that, you know, Jews have the nicest things um, because, or they're socially higher somehow because they've got the money and they own the banks and the media. And again, it's just conspiracy theories, which is just anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Um, if you don't like somebody because they're Jewish, you don't like them because they're Jewish. It's not because of one particular thing. There's just this overlap of everything. Sam, thank you. And you touched on there the issue of affiliation to Israel. So I, I mentioned <laughs> earlier in the conversation um, Zionism, and that's a term which is often used. Um, it's often used inappropriately, but it'd be helpful if we could have a quick conversation <laughs> about what Zionism actually means. Yeah, I mean, Zionism is an ideology. It's uh, a nationalist movement. It's believing the right of a Jewish homeland you know, it's the only Jewish country in the entire world. Um, it's existed, obviously, more recently as the state of Israel, but it's existed as a homeland for the Jews forever. Um, 
you can be a Zionist and not necessarily agree with some of the things that happen in Israel, but you can still believe in the right um, that Israel has to exist. Can you be a Zionist and not actually support the, the modern nation state of Israel? That's really tricky. I think so. I mean, I would identify as a Zionist. It's I've got family there. I love it as a country. Um, do I think that there's injustices done over there? Absolutely. Um, do I think things can be done better? Yeah, 100%. It's no different from this country. You know, do we think that our government can do things differently and better? For sure. Um, so, yes, yeah, so you can you can be a Zionist in the same way that I'm British. I'm a British Jew. You know, my love for the UK, my love for Britain is huge. It doesn't mean that I agree with everything that goes on here and the way that things are done. So I think the same applies for um, being a Zionist. Yes, you can be a Zionist and you can still you can still have a valid view as to whether things are being done correctly or not. Sam, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, their working definition of anti-Semitism, which, which Paul shared with us earlier, that includes a series of illustrative examples of anti-Semitism. And as I understand, several of these were central to the debate conducted by the Labour Party's National Executive Committee, um, and it finally adopted the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism in full in 2018. One of the examples which uh, was contested by some members um, was, and I'm going to quote, denying the Jewish people their right to self-determination, for example, by claiming that the existence of a state of Israel is a racist endeavour. You know, it's appropriate that all governments are held to account um, and key to Baz's role is holding the Westminster and the devolved governments to account for their decisions uh, on how they affect social workers and people who use social work services. That's essentially my job four days of the week. But where do you consider the line at which criticism against the actions of the Israeli state step beyond what is legitimate, which you've just kind of touched on, into what is anti-Semitic? Yeah, I mean, like I say, you can be critical of Israel. There's nothing wrong with that in the same way that you can be critical of another country. But you don't call for the destruction. Let's say France. You don't agree with what's going on with the um, the situation with migrants um, and the and the crossings. You can disagree with France and the, the the political stance that they're taking on something, but no one calls for the destruction of France. No one calls for the eradication of the French people, but they do for Israel. And that's where you're becoming anti-Semitic. You're denying the fact that, or you're denying the right for Jews to have a homeland. So you can disagree with what's happening over in Israel, for sure. Like I say, you know, even as Jews, um, we can disagree with what's happening there, but you can't call for the total annihilation and the destruction of the state of Israel. You know, that's where it becomes anti-Semitic. You're basically saying, I want the death of every Jew in the world. You know, we saw it in Germany not that long ago. You know, in recent history, we saw the annihilation or the attempted annihilation of all Jews. That's what you're effectively saying if you're calling for the complete destruction of the state of Israel. And that's not acceptable. And we see it when there's, I mentioned earlier about the spike earlier in the year. When we see on the streets of London demonstrations taking place because of, uh, you know, the Gaza crisis and people have the right to protest and there's nothing wrong with that right to protest and we support it and it's freedom of speech. And it, it's what makes this country brilliant is that we have that right here. But when you see swastikas in those demonstrations, when you see people calling for the death of Jews, chants being made that are calling for Jews to be dead, to be killed. When we see convoys driving down North London with people 
I, I won't repeat what was said. It's been played out in the media um, enough. But we see for really horrific acts to be carried out to UK Jews because of something that's going on in Israel, you know, blaming Israel for what's happening. That's where it's anti-Semitic. It's not right that in 2021, we are seeing swastikas on our street. And it's not just Jews that should be upset and offended by that. We know what the swastika symbolises. And we know how that impacts other minority groups as well. And it's something that as society, we should all be absolutely um, appalled by it and we should all stand up against. I mean, my reaction to uh, to Israel um, and uh, uh, Israel and Palestine conflict, ongoing conflict, is pretty much, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I can uh, muster. I would say, um, so this is where we come to kind of two, there's, a, there's an old saying, kind of two Jews, three opinions type thing. Um, I want to make it really clear that I uh, was brought up in Maidenhead. So that's kind of my affiliation to uh, Israel is, I would say, for me, um, isn't, isn't a huge one. Uh, it's, it's, it's a piece of land that's, that's put into kind of text, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it, it isn't. Um, and when I think of kind of Israel-Palestine uh, conflict. Let's be really clear. Um, Netanyahu is um, an authoritarian warmonger. I believe he is. Um, he's not a particularly nice man. Um, but, you know, we don't, again, um, talking about Sam's point, we don't just say what I've just said. What we normally say is Israel is particularly bad. Um, and we always contextualise this in terms of Israel. So if we look at what's happening in um, in England at the moment in terms of the reactions to the lockdown, for example, was it did, were we too slow to to lock down? Were we too quick to open up, for example? Um, we don't automatically say, oh well, yeah, it goes goes to show that England, you know, English people hate old people. English people hate hate the vulnerable. The the term. Let's let's talk about England. We'd look at the policies. We hold politicians, people to account. We don't just lump kind of nations together. And not only do I believe personally that Netanyahu is not a particularly nice man, but I also believe in terms of Hamas, who were calling for the destruction of Jewish people around the globe, around the globe, if we think again about what, who we are as social workers, we should constantly be critically reflective. So be specific. Be really, really specific about what you are wanting to talk about, because otherwise you're not going to be helping the, the Palestinian people. The Palestinian people, by the way, who I believe, again, are being denied some basic human rights by Israeli policies, not by Israel, by Israeli policies who I believe, you know, we should be fighting against um, territorial gain, not just by Israeli policies, but in terms of the history of Israel, for example, the history of Palestine, because it's not just Israel and Israeli policies that have taken over that land. There's other, there's other surrounding lands. You know, we look at the real history. There's kind of the Ottoman Empire, there's kind of Egypt, there's Syria, there's all of these things. But again, it's the exceptionalism, isn't it? It's always about Israel. And Israel are always painted in this kind of bad light. And even worse, it's always made out that, uh, that there's something sinister going on. And I think that underlines anti-Semitism for everything, is there's this kind of belief that there's something kind of 
um, sinister that goes on. And I think that's why I was a little bit worried about coming onto this show, because I'm worried that by standing up for Jewish people, by calling out anti-Semitism, people will automatically think, oh, well, you know, he's trying to take it. He's trying to get the Jews to take over the world or whatever it might be, those silly ideas that people have. Um, and there's something sinister underneath uh, me standing up for, you know, my people. Um, Thank you, Paul. It was just, just one little point when you were speaking about Israel or Palestine. In terms of um, the role of Hamas, I mean, not every Palestinian is going to be a supporter of Hamas. And that's that's something that needs to be borne in mind the same way. Certainly not every Israeli Jew is a supporter of um, the Israeli government. Not every Palestinian is a supporter of Hamas. And I think that's really important. And, you know, I constantly talk about people having these ideas um, and having these discussions without Jewish people being in the room. So about what is anti-Semitism? We wouldn't do it for, for you know, hopefully we believe in participation, we believe in co-production, we believe in talking to people. Um, but too many times, especially what's been happening in the Labour Party, too many times people are having these discussions without talking to um, to Jewish experiences. I think that's a real shame. But what we're doing here, actually, is we're not including Palestinian experiences. That's key here. You know, we're talking about this stuff and we're not including Palestinian experiences. We're not to, we're not including people from Israel. You know, I, I think people should, you know, go do your research. Please don't just take what I'm saying. You go, go and make up your own mind, but be really, really specific and make sure that we include actually the voices of the people that are experiencing this as well. I think Paul makes a really, really good point when he says, you know, don't just take his word for it, go and do your own research. And I think that's one of the biggest issues here is that anti-Semitism breeds anti-Semitism and people jump on um, a cause without actually truly understanding it. And we're not here to discuss who's right, who's wrong. That's not the purpose of this at all. And like I said, you know, you can believe in the state of Israel, you can support the Jews, you can still disagree with Israeli policies. That's absolutely fine. It's just really important that people do genuinely do their research and understand the history. You know, it is the most complex situation that is not going to get resolved overnight. And it's not nice and it's not easy, but it's not right to blame the Jews for what's happening there. And that's what is unfortunately happening now. And we've seen a new narrative since the, the Gaza crisis earlier this year. It's now acceptable to go up to a Jew in London, in the UK, and shout free Palestine at them, blaming a Jew for what is happening in Israel. And that might seem very low level minor abuse to somebody, but it, it's very intimidating and it's very frightening because they're like, well, you don't know what my policies are. You don't know what my beliefs are, but you're telling me um, that you're blaming me for something going on thousands of miles away um, and you're blaming me as a British Jew, you know? And it, it's those acts of intimidation that are still happening and drawing them into conversation, trying to get people to debate on what's happening in Israel because they're Jewish. And there is a, there is a line between being um, Jewish and what is happening over overseas in the Middle East. So, yeah, I, I would urge people to do their research to understand the complexity of the situation and don't bring anti-Semitism into this. There's no place for it. 
Thank you, Sam. Paul, Sam, you both talked about doing research. I think it's just, it's it's incumbent on me to say, don't dive down wormholes on Facebook and call that research. Oh, no. Yes. No, Actually, proper yeah. research. Yes. No, that's the worst type of rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Look at history. History. We learn so much from history. Um, and I think that's a bit that we miss, certainly in terms of social work. Um, there's been a big call in terms of decolonizing um, social work um, uh, curriculum. Um, and where is where are, where are the issues around anti-Semitism? Where is the history of anti-Semitism, the history of Jewishness in our curriculum? Absolutely nowhere. Uh, why is that? Because it's a difficult topic, maybe. And it's not been much talked about in terms of those uh, decolonization conversations. Paul, um, in your last answer, you, you mentioned the Labour Party. I want to come back a little bit to talk about the Labour Party. Um, and I know this is, a, this is a tricky subject and it's one that I'm sure people will feel challenged about when we discuss this. Let's acknowledge that. Um, following the Equality and Human Rights Commission investigation into allegations of anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, that was published, the, the report was published in October 2020. I'm sure many people listening will have read it. I'm sure many people listening will have assumed they know what's in it, um, who haven't read it. Maybe that's part of doing the research, actually read that report. Um, subsequent suspension of Jeremy Corbyn uh, from the party following that that report. Now, Labour's deputy leader, Angela Rayner, she was um, in a BBC Radio 4 interview. It was on The World at One um, following um, the publication of the report. And I've got her quote. Um, Angela Rayner stated, begin quote, Jeremy is a thoroughly decent man, but he has an absolute blind spot and a denial when it comes to some of these issues, end quote. Now, um, I'd read David Baddiel's book, uh, Jews Don't Count. And in that book, Baddiel argues that it's hard to conceive of a scenario in which a politically progressive individual would describe someone as, quote, thoroughly decent individual, end quote, if they demonstrated a blind spot in relation to any other ism. You know, that would support the argument that there is or there would seem to be a hierarchy of racism uh, with anti-Semitism coming low down the pecking order, potentially at the bottom of the list. You know, I want to talk about that. Um, I'm aware that there is an element of leading in that question, but that's the that's the that's the statement that I want kind of commented on. The, I want the statement that I want to be adjudicated. Um, if I've got that wrong, tell me that I've got that wrong as, as equally as, you know, tell me that that's correct. So, I mean, I just want to say that, look, at the end of the day, it's not a competition. It's not that somebody has a better, um, somebody has more right to be uh, affected by whatever ism than another uh, ethnic minority or a minority group. Um, everyone should be treated the same, whether you're from the LGBT community, whether you're from the black community, whether you're from Asian, um, Romani, Gypsy, Jewish. If you're affected by a hate incident or a hate crime against you for that reason, you should be treated as the same as the next person that is as victim to their particular incident. You know, no one's got more right than the other person um, and everybody should be treated equal and nobody should tell somebody whether they're right to be offended by something because they are the person that is offended by it. So, Paul, talking about social work now, we've talked about anti-Semitism. I'm going to talk about social work and how anti-Semitism can affect social work and the way social workers engage with service users. So we talked about the different types of anti-Semitism that exist, and one of them being economic anti-Semitism, this notion that Jews are wealthy, all Jews are wealthy, you don't get poor people who are Jewish. Um, you know, that is a myth. 
um, and it's one that is propagated. Does that myth exist within social work? Um, and if that myth does exist, how does it affect the way social workers engage with Jewish people who need their support? And are there other aspects of anti-Semitism that can affect the way social workers would engage with Jewish people? Um, it does. So that myth that we have some money kind of stashed away somewhere so we don't need kind of services or support, but also the myth that uh, we look after our own. Well, maybe it's not a myth, actually, because when we look around, um, the older I get, I'm constantly looking around to find out who my allies are. That's really, really sad, isn't it, um, that I have to do that. Um, and it's also really sad that I'm aware that sometimes your allies can switch like that. You know, they can switch from being your allies to, to the ones that are no longer your allies. Um, so there, there is that. Again, it's about, it's about um, just having a basic understanding of what it is to be Jewish and, and Jewishness. Um, I also link, just to say, I also link social work with, um, with being Jewish. Um, so one of the reasons that I'm a social work worker is because, um, I mean, I definitely defend, and especially as a professional officer for Baswell, I defend my profession. I defend social work theory. I defend... Social work values. Um, I defend social work as a discipline, basically. Um, and it's a, for me, it's about having a, that sense of affiliation for what social work is. Um, and I kind of see that with um, being Jewish as well. For me, being Jewish has a set of values. There are a set of values there. So we talk about that and we talk about these values that include things such as every life is sacred, about um, social justice, for example. You will see throughout kind of civil rights movements um, that Jewish people are on the front lines um, fighting for different matters. Now, that's not to say that there should be kind of a tit for tat kind of we've been there. So you kind of you kind of come and help us type thing. I'm not that naive. But as I say, it is a shame that I look round and say, well, you know, where are my allies? And do you do you feel that do you feel that as a Jew that you don't have that same sense of allyship? You're not you, you don't have allies standing by you the way other other minoritized groups would have do have. Absolutely, you know, I feel that. I mean, if it's hard enough for me to come on a podcast and talk about and support um, um, support uh, Jewishness and talk about anti-Semitism, I think it's really really hard for others. Again, it's because of that kind of, oh, you're saying it because you want Jews to, you know, you're helping the Jews to control the world or whatever other kind of myths that they kind of have or, you know, they're okay or, or whatever. So in terms of allyship, bringing it back to that kind of that myth that we look after our own, well, you wonder why we look after our own when we look around and we, we don't know who are our allies when we don't have people kind of standing up for us because they themselves are scared. You know, I don't think it's simply that everyone hates Jewish people, although a lot of the world do not like Jewish people. I think a lot of it is around people are scared about about their own safety, about how they will be viewed. And let's go back from the world um, to social work. Sure. So, so is there an anti-Semitism problem within social work? Uh, undoubtedly, because there's an anti-Semitism problem within the world. Okay. So we can't just, you know, disaggregate one thing from another. Um, but again, I think it's really, really important to link social work with being Jewish. For me, it is anyway. You know, those things in terms of values that underpin, underpin social work, but also that thing I've been talking constantly about reflection. And being Jewish is about that constant state of 
reflection. So being Jewish for me is thinking about my relationship to God, my relationship to being Jewish, my relationship to the world. Being a social worker is constantly thinking about your position and your positionality in terms of the people you work with, in terms of the organisation you work with, in terms of what's going on in, in the world. It's they, they, they marry up beautifully for me. And actually, um, being Jewish and being a social worker, um, that opportunity to change, that opportunity in terms of social justice, in terms of helping others, they're, they're, they're intertwined for me. Um, and they give me a sense of, dare I say, optimism. They give me a sense of um, striving for, for the truth, striving for making things right. Just kind of, I mean, I'm not a social worker, um, but just regarding, so I, I can't talk from that kind of any level of expertise here, I'll leave that with Paul. But when you look at how social workers can engage with Jewish people, I know that within the, the autistic community, there's a saying that um, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person. And it's the same with, with Jews. If you've met a Jewish person, you've met a Jewish person. It doesn't mean that that Jew is representative of all Jews. You wouldn't do that to any other minority groups. You shouldn't do it to, to members of the Jewish community either. And I think it's just something to bear in mind that um, for any social workers that are engaging with um, anyone from the community, understand their cultural needs and their cultural requirements um, and their religious ideologies or identity, but don't let that become what you see. You're looking at the person, not the ident, not their their uh, their Jewish identity as such. If that makes sense. I also want to say, just in terms of social work, it's quite a kind of leftish wing profession. Is that fair to say? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that? Yeah, <laughs> you're rather perceptive. It seems seems to be happening around. I don't know why that is. Well, I do know why that is, because we talk about social justice quite a lot. Oh, God, that's a terrible thing to say. Not that um, Tories don't think about social justice. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, but, you know, uh, the trouble is also with that is, you know, when I when I hear me talking about, um, you know, we need more allies, et cetera, et cetera, I can actually hear people rolling their eyes. Can you hear people rolling their eyes? Well, I can hear people rolling their eyes. And it's almost... As if, oh, here's another thing to think about. And here comes the Jew again. Once again, here they come. Um, and and I suppose my cries around anti-Semitism, for that reason, are kind of not taken seri- seriously. I can, I can hear the silence. Is that not? Yeah. I can hear the silence. Um, and it kind of gets as if, it's almost as if we can only kind of focus on one thing thing or another we can only zone in on one type of oppression which is just ridiculous because they're all linked together that you know we can we should be looking at the commonalities and the differences um so that we can engage in this collective struggle against something and and what we're talking about is here is white supremacy and jews get kind of pushed around in terms of their whiteness so david Badil, you must read that book but david Badil calls it calls it schrodinger's whiteness you know by the right we're, we're seen as kind of in some ways not white enough and by the left we're seen as ultra white because we embody capitalism all the really bad things that are wrong that are wrong with being being white but we're stronger together we know that 
um, we should be fighting the same thing. We, we shouldn't be fighting each other because that's kind of what they want us to do, isn't it? So we need to stop playing in their hands. We just need to kind of get informed, come together, and we need to be listening to each other. Don't push each other around and pray, play this oppression Olympics because that's not what we should be doing. Paul, Sam, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really informative conversation and it's one that I've really appreciated how much you've shared. Um, I know this is a reality for you, um, both as Jewish people living in the UK. And thank you for sharing not only the meta level perspective, but also sharing from your own experiences. That's been really helpful. It's been very kind. Thank you. No, thank you. I just wanted to end on one thing, uh, if I may. I always like to have You may, you of... may. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, talkative Jew, there you go, fitting some type of stereotype. Um, I just want to end one thing. Um, it's really important. We have found um, in the last kind of year and a half that it is not enough to be to not be racist. We should be anti-racist in our practice. And I would say that we need to do the same. It's not enough just to not be anti-Semitic. We should be actively fighting anti-Semitism. That's what, that's what we want to do. And the way that you guys can do that is just get informed. Read, please, please read David Baddiel's book as a, as a starter, because it is really, really good. Um, and it's quite, you know, quite funny, but also it's quite shocking and astounding, especially for us as progressive left-wingers, you know, in terms of the majority of kind of social workers. So, so please, please, please just, just get informed. Just wanted to say thank you to you for having this platform, for allowing us to be able to discuss these issues, to be able to have this kind of arena to reach out to your social workers um, and hopefully try and make a difference as well. And yeah, second, again, what Paul says about David Baddiel's book. We're not here to promote it, but it is a great book. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Paul. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.